And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. I'm down to dunk. And I'm down to dunk. I'm down to dunk. This is J-Dub, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shaco Alexander, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lindy Waters, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Mike Muscala, and I'm down to dunk. This is J-Will, and I'm down to dunk. This is Kenneth Williams, and I'm down to dunk. This is Lou Dort, and I'm down to dunk. We say this is Lou Dort, and I'm down to Dort. <laughs> Welcome to Down this to Dunk. Dort, I'm your host, Andrew Schleck, part of the Athletic Podcast <laughs> Network. Today I have a special podcast for you. It is with Andrew Gaze. He is a, an Australian basketball legend. He's also known Josh Giddy since he was a baby. Uh, he's here in town with the Adelaide 36ers, and so I got to sit down and talk to him about... Uh, Josh's game, his life growing up. I got to talk to Andrew a little bit about his game and his experience playing for the Spurs and playing for Seton Hall. It was just really cool. He's just such a fun guy, such a fun interview. I hope you guys enjoy this. Uh, and here is the podcast. I'd like to welcome NBL champion, NBA champion, Andrew Gaze. Also, five-time Olympian, Andrew Gaze, to the podcast. Andrew, how's it going? Yeah, thanks very much. It's a pleasure. It's exciting. It's great to be in Oklahoma. And uh, I've been here many, many years ago, but it's fantastic. And, of course, with the Adelaide 36ers here representing Australia and the NBL and the success they had the other night against Phoenix, it makes it uh, exciting times. What did that win mean for, like, just NBL fans in general? But obviously, like, 36ers fans are just elated. But, like, what did it mean for, like, the NBL as a whole? Oh, it's huge. It's got a lot of attention back home because very few teams get to do that. Uh, I was reading somewhere, it was a long time ago, but I think Fenerbahce, the the, the Turkish team, was the last team to uh, win a preseason game. So... Uh, we've been coming and doing these types of games against uh, NBA teams for the past five years. Yeah. And actually the closest was, uh, I want to say, three or four years ago. Um, and, and I think you still had Paul George, you still had Russell was here, and yeah. Melbourne United yes. came and lost by a point. Yes. Uh, so it was, <laughs> it was, it was touch it, and we've, go. Been, we've been close. Yeah. But uh, but to beat a, a quality team like Phoenix yeah. and the manner in which they did it, shooting 24 threes in the game, that, I mean, that's outrageous. <laughs> in fact, although they're, they're shorter games, uh, uh-huh. I think the highest in the history of the Adelaide 36ers, and they've only done it a, a couple of times in their history, is they've made 20 in a game. No kidding. Now, that's in a 40-minute game, though. Yeah, okay. But yeah. The, the, I guess that the, what counters that is our three-point line is about 15 centimetres. I think it's about 15 centimetres closer than okay. what yours is. Yeah. So it, uh, it was a remarkable game, and, yeah, we're just excited and very proud. And in Australia, the NBA is huge. Yeah. Uh, there was a, a, a statistic, it was, a, you know, a couple of years ago, but per capita... Uh, Australia had the highest subscription rates for NBA League Pass of any country in the world. Wow. So it's really big. And, and now that uh, for, for the, uh, the casual fan, they're going to know that, you know, basketball here in Australia is going 
really well. But unless you have that tangible evidence, unless you have something objective that you can look at, yeah. they go, oh, yeah, that's just basketball people with basketball propaganda. But then they <laughs> see a result like this and go, well, hang on a minute. Yeah. They're actually not too bad. Uh, albeit that it's a preseason game. We keep it in that context. But even in that context, it's still a great result. Yeah, it's impressive. I, I can attest to you to our Australian listeners. Like We have several Australian listeners. We, oh, good. Even before Josh Giddy. Yeah, came to the Thunder. There were a lot of people that were interested in the Thunder from Australia. I mean, yeah. it's just I don't know if we had have we had an, another Australian player. I mean, Stephen Stephen Adams oh, is from New, New Zealand. Zealand. Yeah, for some Australians, that's close enough. For for some, they're like, I'm, I'll never listen to that podcast because I don't want anything <laughs> to do with the New Zealander. But, um, so you played with Josh Giddy's dad. Yes, I did. Warwick um, for several years with the Melbourne Tigers. Uh, would you have trade? Would you have traded present day Josh for back in the day Warwick? <laughs> well, you're asking. You're asking me which one of my my kids I love the most because <laughs> they're, they're they're both uh, great teammates yeah. uh, and great personalities. But uh, certainly, and I think Josh would happily. Uh, I mean, sorry, Warwick would happily concede that I think his son is maybe a little bit further advanced than what was was, but. Yeah. The thing about it is is that uh, Warwick was an elite passer, okay. and you see that in Josh. Yeah. And there are certain things and instincts for the game that go beyond the amount of training you do. There's, sure. there's, there's a bit of an instinct, something in the DNA yeah. that's enabled that, and his very unique and elite passing skills comes from his dad. His dad couldn't throw it in the ocean. His dad had the <laughs> ricketyest, broken jump shot you've ever seen. Yeah. And uh, it's been one of the criticisms of Josh about his shooting, yeah. but he's, he's so far ahead of what his dad was when it came to shooting. But his dad was tough. He was yeah. tough. He was a rebounder, elite defender, and just an unbelievable passer where he'd see things that others can't see. So he's inherited a lot of those skills. Yeah. Uh, but if if you to get to your question is that yeah, Josh yeah. would probably be a little bit ahead of where, and, and Josh is only a baby still. I know, I know. He's not even twenty yet. Yeah. And he's playing at this level. Maybe you would have won a few more titles had you had Josh on your team. Well, the only thing about that, if I had Josh on my team, uh -huh. then I wouldn't have got to play and score as much. So maybe <laughs> you think so? <laughs> maybe it would have been better with with, uh, with Was. Uh, so you've known Josh for a long time since he since was, he was a, born. Yeah. Mm. So when when could you tell that okay he's he's got it? This is a special basketball well, player. Well, we knew very early on that he had some things that, you, that are hard to teach. Yeah. An instinct for the game, his passing ability, the way in which he coordinates with his teammates. Uh, we knew that really well. It wasn't until probably later in, in relatively later in his development mm -hmm. that we thought that this could be a, a genuine NBA player. And that wasn't that what probably wasn't until he was like 16, okay. 17. So yeah. he was always really good, but he had a, a growth spurt. And right now, uh, I, I, in your terms, I, I think I get this right, he's about six foot eight. Yeah, that's right. So... Um, that is, and for his position, it's a huge asset. Yeah. And he, he's got such uh, incredible upside as well. As good as he's going now, I think the shot's going to improve. I think the understanding of what's required on the defense, the understanding of the NBA game, the nuances that exist there, he's only going to get better at it. So he's, yeah. he's got some huge upside.
he's tough as well. You mentioned his dad's toughness. His dad was the one of the. Toughest. Do you have any stories about just like how how tough he was, or maybe some examples of that from oh, the Tigers? He's your, he's your stereotypical guy that would do anything for a teammate. Mm-hmm. When uh, and a tough descent, defensive assignment was there, he would get it, and and his dad could guard multiple positions. But he was one that if you had to send a message out there yeah. and you just needed to let some opponents know uh-huh. that uh, there is a, an element of risk on the floor that you need to be, you need to be aware of, yeah. then was was that man. Whenever we played against some of the bigger teams and I'd be harassing it, and, and I'm kind of, I was a little bit like Josh in a bigger guard and I'd, I'd have the ball in my hands yeah. a bit. Yeah. And they'd be trying to meet me up the floor and wear me down. Giddy was the first one to say, hey, next one, I'm going to be waiting at the centre line, run them to me, mm-hmm. and we'll, we'll, we'll create some space. <laughs> so he was, um, yeah, he was played through adversity, pain, never whinged, stuff that people would be withering around on the floor, carrying on. He'd be up and at it again. He, he was just a... He played... His dad was actually elite at three different sports. Uh-huh. Um, basket, he played for the Australian national team in the juniors uh-huh. for Australia. He played in the NRL, which is a rugby... Uh, a, 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 a type of rugby. And then he yeah. played in the Australian rugby team. And in all three of them, okay. his dad played for the national team. So his dad was really skilled. <laughs> yeah. And if you've yeah. ever seen rugby league or rugby union, mm-hmm. it is a brutal, brutal game. Yeah. And that's what he grew up on and was really good at. So that's where that, I think that toughness comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, Thunder fans know that from watching Steven Adams as well. Like he yeah. grew up playing rugby. Rugby's and, huge in New Zealand. Yeah. Rugby yeah. and rugby league are, are huge in New Zealand. In Australia, we also have another sport which which Josh grew up on. Yeah, is Australian rules football. Yeah, and that is even that is just as brutal, but requires more skill, way more aerobic, a bigger field. You're kicking it and handballing it, and it's a it's a tough, tough game which Josh loved when he was growing up as well. And and throughout those formative, you know, from the time he was say ten to fourteen or fifteen, he played both. Yeah. And you take some hits, some big hits. So that's why Josh, I think, anything they're dishing up here, mm-hmm. it's big bodies, mature bodies, but he's seen it all playing Australian rules football. Have you been able to connect with Josh since you've been here yet? Yeah, we were going to catch up with him, but uh, he, they're already in Tulsa. So I only okay. got in yesterday, right. yep. and they're already down there. So mm-hmm. I, 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 we, we reached out on the phone. We're going to catch up with, with him. But he's busy, you know. They're, they're, oh, they're yeah. there, and they got a game tomorrow, tonight. Then they play tomorrow, and then I leave the very first thing the next day. So yep. I won't get to speak to him a lot or catch up with him a lot because of they're on the road. But um, but we keep in touch. He sends me messages every now and again. And, yeah. Um, he's yeah he's a good kid, and he loves the game. And you you guys are lucky to have him. Yeah, I know Thunder fans love having him here. His family seems pretty close. So his sister played yeah. basketball she just transferred to southern nazarene which That's is right. like really close yeah. now it's basically in the city as well yeah um what, what did you see like just from their family you know seeing them kind of grow up together well, his mum is his dad steals the limelight as far as their previous basketball careers his, sure. his mum played at a high level as well right and and really when you look at his shooting 
and you looked at Waz's, uh, Warwick's shooting, his dad, uh, he definitely got his shooting from his mum because <laughs> you know, Waz's technique was all over the place. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, he, he's, um, they've been tremendous influences on him yeah. and, and, he, and, and not just his basketball skill but his personality. Sure. He's a good kid, you know. Yeah. He's very respectful. He's coachable. Uh, he, he gets it. So it's we're very proud, not just of the what he's done on the basketball court, but how he's grown into a fine young man. Yeah, he he definitely has showcased that. He's one of the more well-spoken nineteen-year-olds I've ever met in my yeah. life. Like it's you if you just talk to him, yeah, you just had his face blacked out. You'd think you're talking to like a. 30-year-old. Well, when he was younger, he was your typical gym rat. Yeah. And he would come to me and talk about games that he's, that uh, was had put on the VHS. Okay. And you get the old VHS. And he, and he just loved to watch our old games. Yeah. And he played in a system that uh, that has been handed down in our club and it still exists today that's mm-hmm. a little old school. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a passing, cutting um, offensive structure yeah. that I, I think really benefited him as far as his development. Yeah. And, of course, he grew, and that always helps as sure. well. Uh, but uh, he loves the game and is a student of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that's another reason we look at his basketball IQ beyond yeah. the fact that, you know, he can pass and shoot and rebound and does – most facets of the game yeah. pretty well. There's those intangibles that I think because of his dad and his mum and, and him himself wanting to sit down in front of the television instead of watching uh, the Teletubbies, yeah. he wants to put on a, <laughs> a, a, a basketball game. Yeah. That held him in good stead. Yeah. I think you averaged 44 points one season. Is that right? Yeah, I did. But I, I, don't, I don't have fond memories of that team because we were lousy. Yeah. Our, our team was going through a tough time. We yeah. had a couple of imports that left halfway through the season. Oh, okay. And um, it, was, it was nice and it looks good on the resume. Yeah. And, yeah, uh, it's, it's one of those things that you, um, you like to hear and sure. you guys talk about it, but it would mean more to you than it does to me. I, yeah. I, I, because we only won, I think, three games that whole season. Okay. So there are a lot of meaningless points yeah. in that. <laughs> and, and I yeah. didn't play the whole season because I was injured. Um, but, but, yeah, it was, it was almost like a lot of those games where I'm putting up big numbers, they, were, they weren't as significant as what it looks on paper. Yeah. You had an interesting career. You played mostly with the Melbourne Tigers, but yeah. you came and played for Seton Hall yeah. and then came back and then came to the NBA and went back and then came back to the NBA yeah. and won a championship with the Spurs. What kind of went into those decisions to do that? Just life experiences as much as anything. Mm-hmm. The somewhat unusual thing when people talk about my time at the Seton Hall Pirates mm-hmm. where um, it was straight after the Seoul Olympic Games and uh, I was listed as a junior because although another year of eligibility was in question because I'd went to the Olympics. I, I couldn't go the year previously. So we thought oh, okay. we were going to get granted another year. Yeah. But we had an unbelievable year. Went through to the championship game, lost yeah. to Michigan yep. in one of the most difficult officiating decisions that throughout the course of my 
basketball career is hard to live with because it's the foul on Ramil Robinson. Now you're probably too yep. young to have um, seen it, yeah. or yeah. But it was it was really difficult. But the funny thing about that is, um, because the team had so much success, and and, and I was a uh, one of the um, uh, you know I was a starter and had a significant contribution. It got a lot of attention. And uh, a lot of people were suggesting that it's just a hired gun. Is he really going there? The crazy thing about it is, is that I went to the 84 Olympics and the Seoul Olympics. And because mm. of that, I was studying, to f- I was um, finding it difficult to finish my studies at university. Mm. And in fact, it was only because it was between NBL seasons. And we were amateurs back then. Yeah. We were just playing for the love of the game. Uh-huh. It was only because... There was this window of opportunity where I could go and and do two semester, uh, you know, do some more credits. Yeah. That I went to Seton Hall, so everyone <laughs> thought, well, he's not really interested in in studying. Yeah. It, it was absolutely the complete opposite <laughs> of that, but yet the the narrative around me and my time at Seton Hall is, wow, you've made a mockery of the system. You 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 were the cause of all these rule changes for foreign players and all that type of thing. <laughs> But it's it was it's completely the opposite. So, yeah. but that was another one playing for PJ, and of course going through and being involved in a national championship game was, yeah. you know, what was it, forty five thousand people at the Kingdome in Seattle Unreal. in the final four. We beat Duke in the semi final, and yeah. unfortunately uh, Michigan got hold of us and we lost in overtime. How did you choose Seton Hall? Like, what was that process like? What happened back then is. Um, it used to be colleges would play a preseason games, mm-hmm. and a lot of the times they'd invite international teams to come and play, mm-hmm. and you'd play a series. You'd go on these tours, and I went on many of them throughout yeah. the curve. Every November, we'd be going uh, and looking forward to going to the states and playing anywhere between seven and ten games against yeah. college teams. And in 1986, my club team, the Melbourne Tigers. Mm-hmm. We did a tour of the Big East. We played every school in the Big East. Uh, we beat Georgetown in that on that tour. <laughs> and back then, Georgetown was this feared, oh, yeah. huge thing. And, yeah. and uh, uh, we beat Connecticut as uh-huh. well. And Seton Hall was the last stop on that tour. Uh-huh. And my dad was very, really good friends with PJ's dad. Okay. And my dad knew PJ as well. And we played, and in that last game, they beat us. And Mark Bryant, who was one of the assistant coaches, yeah. he was right. He was on that team. Yeah. Um, so, so uh, what happened was, is I had a good game. Mm-hmm. I had a, a, a really high-scoring game. Mm-hmm. And straight after that game, PJ and John Carroll, his assistant, they wanted me to stay on and uh-huh. said, "Listen, you'd be able to hook up with our team after Christmas, and you know." come in and play yeah now my at the time my goals were firmly fixed on fixed on the australian team and wanting to represent australia and um you know this sort of came out of the blue and and i said listen you know i really appreciate but i I can't do it i I really want to go to seoul yeah and yeah I, i got this pathway but john carroll the assistant coach was relentless. Now, this is a time there's no internet, there's no you know, right. WhatsApp, you can't do video. And he was calling, and back then, to call the United States to Australia, it'd be, it's, he was literally calling me once a week for two years, <laughs> saying, listen, we really, you really can help us, you really can help us. Yeah. And because of the Seoul Olympics in 88, 
our our regular season that I played in started early, and then okay. in '89 it went back to its normal time slot. So uh-huh. there was this chunk of time yeah. that fitted perfectly <laughs> in with the uh, college system and yeah. the semesters and studying and all that. So it all just and I thought, I'll bugger it, I'll. Have a, have a go, why it's not? It's meant to be, yeah. It's a good experience. So I basically went there straight after I went from Seoul to Seton Hall. Okay. And, um, yeah, Ramon Ramos was in the Puerto Rican team, mm-hmm. and we played uh, against Puerto Rico in the first game of Seoul. So I got to meet him a little bit, and, uh, yeah, it was just a, a wonderful experience with a great bunch of guys and uh, lifelong memories. So you won an NBA title with the Spurs. You kind of had a small role on that team. I had an insignificant role insignificant. on that team. You're polite <laughs> in saying it was a small role. Okay. I was there. I probably would have actually got into games, maybe 20 games that season. And that junk okay. time. Yeah. Absolute junk time. Yeah. So, again, it was a little later in my career when that sure. opportunity popped up. Sure. And absolutely loved the experience. Yeah. Obviously, when you go through and you win a championship, but it wasn't, it wasn't that easy because the start of the season we weren't going well. There was talk that Pop was going to get fired, and um, but it was a, that's wild, and he's still coaching and he's today. Still there. Yeah, I can still remember the bus ride. Uh-huh. We're going to play the Houston Rockets, and we'd had a real tough start to the season. And you know, I was I was just listening in, and the back, and and there was genuine conversations that were being had by the players in the back of the bus. Yeah, if, if we don't win this game, Pop's going to get fired. Literally, that's with the thought that oh, man. if we don't win this so game, so is it? So is it like David Robinson saying that? Like who? Who yeah, are the guys was, saying you know, that? Between Avery and and yeah. Mario and. You know, I can't remember specific, but sure. I do remember the conversation. Yeah. I remember it vividly because I thought, uh, selfishly, if Pop gets the arse here, yeah. uh, whoever, they're not going to keep me. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. I, I was more selfishly thinking it at the time, and sure. I remember thinking, oh, man, this is... But fortunately, we won that game. Yeah. Went on and on a bit of a winning streak, went on and won the championship, and Pop's now regarded... if is one of the greatest NBA coaches in the history of the sport. Yeah. So it's the, the fickle hand of fate works in mysterious ways. Yeah, and it does. It, it worked out then, but, you know, my role was insignificant, but it was a privilege and an honour to yeah. be a part of it with Dave Robson, Tim Duncan, Steve Kerr, um, Jerome Kersey, Will Perdue, yeah. uh, Antonio Daniels was a young fella on oh, the yeah. team. Oh yeah, he used to do broadcast here yes. in Oklahoma City. I, yeah, I heard that. Great I did not guy. know that. Yeah, I think now he's at New. Is it New Orleans? He's uh, in New Orleans. Yep. New Orleans. Yep. Yeah. For the Pelicans, he does color for them now. Yeah. Incredible guy. So he's yeah. a great fella. Yeah. And um, it was it was a fun time. It was a really fun time, and uh, just I pinched myself of how lucky I was. Yeah. And sometimes you're just in the right place at the right time. And yeah. Pop was, you know, like the recruiting process when you, you're trying to get players. He was brutally honest when he was talking to me about me being involved. And, uh-huh. you know, he was positive saying, listen, you know, historically love what you do. We've got a veteran team. I think you can fit in. Your shooting is what I really like. I think we, we got some with Tim and Dave. We need to spread the floor. But you need to understand this. You're coming in, and with the other players, unless something goes horribly wrong, 
you're an insurance policy. Yeah. So if, so, if someone gets hurt, sure. then we feel like you could be around and, and help us. So yeah. he didn't sugarcoat it. <laughs> it wasn't like he was... Not much of a sales He, he wasn't selling the, uh, <laughs> you're going to be, you know, some sort of mega hero. Yeah. There was going to be a significant role. Not at all. Um, but at that stage in my career, you know, I was getting on. It was... Yeah. Like, I couldn't even believe that I was getting asked to be involved in it. So yeah. just, uh, again, it just I don't know how it happened. It was just really lucky and, and grateful for that opportunity. I heard you won't put on the ring. Is that true? I don't put the ring on, though. Yeah. I, it's in the trophy cabinet, and it's a okay. great memory. Yeah. And it sits right beside, but beside a, a uh, signed 1999 Spurs NBA ball. Yeah. So it's, it's in there. It's in the trophy cabinet. But, no, I don't... I don't um, you know, not the, I'm not a big jewelry man at the best yeah. of times, but yeah. my my you know my role or contribution was, like I said, very very small. So yeah. I'm proud of it and I love yeah. it, and it's a great talking piece when people come around. And everyone mm. wants to see it because mm-hmm. I don't do things by halves. This sucker is a sizable <laughs> unit. I mean, this thing's this yeah. thing's got a bit of got a bit about it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it sits there and it's 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 a uh, Every time I walk past it, it brings, a great ba- brings back some great memories. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Victorinox, the makers of the original Swiss Army Knife, have been a reliable companion for life's everyday challenges, mastering functionality, innovation, iconic design, and uncompromising quality with its products. The Victorinox Swiss Army Knife provides you with all the things you don't think about until you need it. Tweezers, a screwdriver, and even a corkscrew. With the Victorinox Swiss Army Knife, you can be prepared to master everyday life. You can find Victorinox Swiss Army Knives at Dick's Sporting Goods. So back to Josh. Uh, how do you think his decision to stay in Australia and play in the NBL, play for the 36ers, affected just his trajectory? Well, it worked out perfectly. Uh, he had a lot of schools interested. Yeah. He, the thing about Josh, he was somewhat of a late bloomer throughout the juniors. Mm-hmm. So those early stages, he was a good player, but he wasn't a great player and he wasn't necessarily recognised like some of our young stars are at that really early age. Like yeah. I'm talking... 11, 12s, under 14s, and even in under 16s, he, he wasn't 
regarded at, in that top echelon. Yeah. Uh, so so he's he's um, exposure for the college teams. There was some that knew about him because there was a lot of Australian connections. Yeah. A little bit later, and uh, I remember his dad was pretty keen. His mum and dad were pretty keen for him to look at colleges, but mm-hmm. they've always left those types of decisions up to him. He mm-hmm. was a, you know, he's a smart kid, but he wasn't, he wasn't overly motivated by school. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the decisions that he's made, the programs that he's been with, both in the NBL and now with OKC, have yeah. been absolutely perfect for his development. Yeah. He was with a, an Adelaide team when he was there for that one year yep. that they, they weren't in the championship window. Mm-hmm. And he got to play a lot yep. and he got a lot of opportunities to so, show what he's capable of doing. And it didn't take long for NBA teams in particular to recognise that yeah. this kid's special. Uh, so, so I think that that decision that he made was, in hindsight, absolutely perfect. Yeah. Anytime you make a decision that leads you to be the number six pick in the NBA draft, you've made good decisions. Yeah, it's pretty wild because he, I mean, at the start of the season, maybe a second rounder if people considered him that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the way that he played really, I mean, he rose up to the lottery. I don't don't think people even thought on draft night he'd go that high. No, it wasn't. But the Thunder obviously loved him. We didn't. Yeah. And we were, all, we were all thinking that I think OKC had a, a, a later pick as well. Or, and I know the Warriors were interested. Yeah. There was a few teams. They had 16, they had 6, 16, 18. Yeah, and year. everyone was yeah. thinking, oh, well, maybe it's that, that later pick. Yeah. Um, but uh, just the genius of OKC, I think that uh, it's been recognized as a really good pick. Yeah. And one where you're probably not going to see the full rewards for that for a few years yet, a yep. few seasons yet. Yep. But you've, I think most people have seen enough to know that, that he's going to be a long-term, very significant NBA player. Yeah. So you're here to promote Australian Made. I've got a, a little keychain here. Yeah. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Well, Australian, that's, that's these tours. It's about the NBL. It's about trying to grow basketball, uh, build relationships with the NBA, uh, give our league exposure internationally. But it's also an opportunity for us as a nation to present ourselves to the world. Yep. And in this case, present ourselves to the U.S. audience. And mm-hmm. we're, we're all about trying to encourage people to come to Australia. Yep. And Australia Made is a, an organisation that provides uh, authenticity to Australian products and services. Mm-hmm. And um, that's part of that. They're the sponsor of the the tour they that that logo is going to be on the back of their jerseys tomorrow and it's just trying to let people know that uh australia can do some really good things both in a sporting sense and a manufacturing sense and a um uh, a whole variety of different industries we're really good at and uh that little there's a because australia there's you don't know americans don't know a lot about it and they're curious yeah. to know more. Yeah. I mean, some of the people think we've got kangaroos bouncing down the middle of Sydney, <laughs> you know, or Melbourne. Yeah. Um, it's, it's really advanced uh, um, states and cities and with its own culture. But because there's this, they, they love the accent, they, 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 they want to touch and feel Australia, uh, there's a lot of industries that claim to be Australian. Right. 
but not quite as Australian as others. Uh-huh. Uh, but this little logo here with the tri- triangle on the back and the kangaroo in it, what that represents is is the your genuine, accredited, authentic Australian that you uh, industries and services and, and sports that you can trust. Yeah, I have one more question. This is actually from a fan. Cool. So. Everyone knows that you and Leonard Copeland yeah. formed a dynamic duo That's for it. the Melbourne Tigers uh, in the 1990s. You were a great shooter, and LC was a great dunker. Yeah. Uh, you also got credited for being a great passer. Yeah. But be honest, how <laughs> many of those great passes were really just airballed threes <laughs> that Leonard turned into dunks? That's it. Uh, this question comes from Lee Ellis from Sunbury, <laughs> Australia. <laughs> Turn it up. Come on, Lee. He's, uh, he's, he's done some great things. He's another great export that uh, you guys here have, uh-huh. have copped, and uh, he's made a bit of a name for himself, a fun yep. guy, really, really yeah. good guy. I've, yeah. I've caught up with him a few times. Actually, we did a podcast with him as well. Yeah. And I think he's still doing podcasts. Is he still yeah. doing podcasts? Yeah, well, he works for the same company I do, yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. well clearly his judgment about um, my passing skills <laughs> and uh, what we developed with the, with the alley-oop uh-huh. back then was, uh, Leonard was a player who played with the Clippers, uh, yep. one of those fringe guys that mm-hmm. came to Australia, fell in love with it, married an Australian girl, had four Australian daughters and, and lived there and is now lived more in Australia than he did in the United States. Wow. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, we, we our, our combination between him and I and the, the systems that we run and you know how you just get that rapport with someone, we're, we're able to do it. But I, as I say, unless you can throw those pinpoint passes and, and, uh, and right near the rim for them to go get, you know, he got a lot probably a lot more recognition than I did for the past, but we all know that the past is very critical component to the whole process. <laughs> no doubt. Uh, Andrew, thanks so much for coming on the show. It has been an absolute pleasure. It's a, it's a blast. And good luck to OKC this season and look after our boy Josh, please. We will. Thank, Thank you. you. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.